following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. I got into the flower business, borrowed uh, my, my father's boss, uh, Bill Holtberg, and his wife, Denise, uh, gave us the $6,000. I mean, and, you know, that's another magical thing. You know, here's a 17-year-old. At that time, it was about 17 when I bought that flower shop. Uh, you know, my father asked him that, hey, my son wants to start a flower shop. Uh, could we borrow 6000 And he said, sure. Um, and, you know, back then, people forget, back then, you know, kind of an annual salary would have been about thirty to twenty-eight dollars to $30,000 for machinists and everything. And so he gave me $6,000 to go buy a flower shop. I bought the flower shop. And the first thing I did was buy some books. Hey, everybody. On today's show, we have Tarek Farid, who is the founder and CEO of Edible Arrangements. Tarek, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. What is the current state of Edible Arrangements? I mean, I was looking at some numbers before, and they blew my mind. Like, explain to everyone listening you know, what you guys do and just the sheer size of it these days. Yeah. So, you know, started small on the corner of Maine and Hemingway in East Haven, Connecticut in 1999, selling fruit arrangements. Today we are in about, uh, eight to nine countries, uh, uh, about, uh, close to 1300 stores, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and 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 a, a pretty nice growth on our uh, product uh, categories from arrangements to now doing uh, smoothies, uh, uh, dipped fruit, uh, yogurt, and other items, but all natural and staying in our fruit tradition. And your revenue, you you do hundreds of millions in sales, right? I think I saw yeah. six hundred million recently. Is it even higher now? Uh, a, a little over six hundred million. Wow! How many pounds of fruit do you guys cut up a year? <laughs> well, we haven't done. We haven't done the pounds, but we uh, we do millions of arrangements. So uh, I guess if you uh, it, it, it depends on the occasion and how much trouble the guy's in to figure out how many pounds of fruit it will take to kind of return uh, uh, him in the, the good grace. How do you get your fruit? Because obviously, not only you know every you know people are are buying your product as celebrations and gifts, and it's very visual. Um, you know, every piece has to look good and taste good. How do you make sure your fruit is, looks good and tastes good, I guess? So we've been very lucky. So when I started out, I started out with a tiny little store in East Haven, uh, East Haven, Connecticut. And, uh, um, and you know, I had this dream of building a chain, uh, but that was it was difficult at that time. Uh, I couldn't get the financing. So we started franchising out of an accident. You know, somebody walked in and said, hey, uh, will you send me, sell me your franchise in Waltham, Mass., uh, in the Boston area? Uh, and that started the journey of franchising. And the nice thing about franchising, what I love about franchising is that it's another entrepreneur who comes and he, who looks at the concept and they replicate what you're doing. So we mm-hmm. have uh, owners all over the country, all over the world that replicate what we do in Connecticut. Uh, and with that, you at least have that consistency and quality and that passion. 
And, you know, built on top of that, we have layers of uh, infrastructure, be it IT uh, or be it just the supply chain. So we source our fruit. We source all the fruit. We go out and, and, and recommend where to buy from. And we have vendors and a network where our franchisees buy. We have our uh, fresh network. We have our supply chain when it comes to the dry goods, the baskets and the skewers and a lot of the other items that make up the arrangement. Uh, and then, of course, we have a whole vendor network above and beyond our own companies that help support the, uh, you know, the making of each skewer, as we call it, making of each fruit on a skewer that gives that amazing experience to the, the end user. And you mentioned you had 1,300 stores. What is the breakdown? Like how many people order? Because I remember you guys back in the day like, you know, seeing commercials on TV and people calling in. And I'm sure, obviously, that's jumped to the web now. What percentage are kind of walking customers versus people who call or uh, ordering on e-commerce style? So uh, I would say uh, our store level business is maybe uh, about 40%. Uh, and it's about, I would say about 45 now. We're starting to bring much more traffic into our stores. People are starting to come into our stores. And uh, our web is about, uh, you know, 60 or 55 to 60%. Uh, but the, the nice thing now is that the trend is changing. You know, uh, in order to experience some of our product, people will uh, come into our stores. But um, on the holidays... It'll be where about uh, 70% of the traffic is coming into our stores and about 30 is delivery. And that's changing. It, it, was it more delivery first and now the stores are growing, it sounds like? Um, yeah. So it, it's, uh, we, we started to carry products where you can walk in and within seven minutes get an arrangement. So uh, our product has become very last minute. Gifting by its nature is very last minute. So with that, with having uh, 1,300 stores, we're in that last mile or near our, our customers. So a lot of that part... Uh, is helping us to bring customers in to come in. And then if you could get a great treat, you know, you walk into a store, you can uh, sample some chocolate-covered strawberries, uh, you could pick up an extra box for the family, and then also send the gift. Uh, so the you know it, it's still heavy tr- uh, on the web, but the trend has been more uh, shifting towards where we will have people coming into the stores. And our stores are located... Uh, in in the neighborhoods where people are shopping. So more things happening at our store now between uh, fresh fruit smoothies. So we've always had great fruit. Now we'll take certain portion of it and we'll blend uh, it, we'll blend it into to give people that real experience of fresh fruit, be it a smoothie or a yogurt or froyo, uh, and then also dipped fruit. And you know who doesn't like uh, who doesn't love uh, chocolate dipped fruit? And we dip it all day. So with that, we have more traffic coming into our stores now. Yeah, it's interesting because you think about this business, it's a really complex business. I mean, you have the kind of the messiness and the stress that comes with e-commerce, customer service, um, kind of the, the, the same stress as your old florist background. But then you have, you know, fresh products and groceries and supply chain. I mean, how do you, what's the trick to getting this all running so smoothly? Because a, uh, a lot, as you know, I'm sure, a lot can go wrong from, from click to, uh, to shipment. Yeah, and, and it comes back to how our infrastructure got built. You know, I, I have always uh, followed the model of people that create ecosystems. So we were lucky enough in the beginning uh, that we started to create our own supply chain. So we have a company called Berry Direct that handles all our dry goods. Um, we source most all our fruit directly through our fresh team. Um, and then, of course, our franchisees. When you have owners in the business, in, 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 when you have people in that local neighborhood that know that neighborhood, that know their customer, that's the magic at Edible Arrangements. The magic at Edible Arrangements of delivering that consistency, that experience. People will tell me, you know, and, and, I, and I love hearing that. Nothing is 
nothing uh, gets us more excited to wake up every morning and go do this is then when customers say, hey, I sent it and it was great. Uh, you know, the, you know the, the, it was a wow. You promised a wow and it truly was a wow. And it's our franchise owners that uh, go in every morning. They make sure the, the quality is there. They make sure that the, the, the stores, you know, uh, uh, set up properly every day. And I, you know, I, I admire some of these brands that have these large uh, chains with, uh, uh, that are corporate owned. I love the magic of having a store owner. That's how we started. When we started, we would walk into our store every morning, uh, make the product, and then kind of deliver some on the way home. And that's what's happening at Edible Arrangements every day. We are a locally owned business that's in each neighborhood. And that's where the experience comes in. And that's where the consistency and the quality comes in. And I don't know any other way. Mm-hmm. And it's worked well. And we continue to grow it. You mentioned you, ad- you admire you know, other chains that give great customer service and great product. What other brands do you kind of look to as inspiration or just other brands um, that are doing, you know, this kind of thing well? So we're in kind of the very, um, what I would say, healthy slash fresh fruit. We've always stayed in fresh fruit. But there are other categories like Starbucks does, just does an amazing job of, of just that consistency and the quality and their corporate on chain. But then in franchising, you have Duncan uh, and then also Domino's. Uh, that have just done a, a, an amazing job and built a, a, a lot of wealth, not only for themselves, but also their franchisees and a great experience for their customers and evolved the brand over time. So, uh, you know, at Chick-fil-A, so there's a lot of brands that I admire that are very customer focused mm-hmm. that tend to, you know, try to deliver that great service and great value every single day. And and that's what we get inspired by and we try to do every day. But you're the healthy one. You know, you eat Chick-fil-A and Dunkin' Donuts all the time. <laughs> you're going to be in some trouble. I want to talk a little bit about – I love this origin story of yours. Um, I would love to jump into this and how Edible Arrangements grew from uh, kind of a, a, qu- uh, a little feature in your, your flower shop to this, you know, massive franchise. Um, so you were – you're a, you're an immigrant. You were born in Pakistan. Came over here. Your parents really kind of really hustled to get to to make ends meet. Correct? Yeah. No. Uh, in my uh, the bravest people in my life were my two parents, and uh, uh, my father decided a long time ago he came here because his brother was here, uh, uh, and kind of went back and decided that it's a better future for his kids to return back to the U.S. And he had a very difficult uh, position here. He worked as a machinist, and his first job was a Burger King. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he did everything that he could, so give us the environment and everything. And if it wasn't for that, uh, we wouldn't be here, uh, and we wouldn't have kind of lived that American dream and everything. So it uh, uh, came here in 1981, mm. uh, literally with nothing, and then uh, – um, you know, struggled in the beginning, but you know the inspiration was always there. My my mother would, was the great motivator to say, "Hey, as, as long as you work hard, you'll accomplish a lot." And then I got surrounded by a lot of neighbors and and people along the way that did nothing but motivate. Uh, and uh, you know, there's a great story. And and uh, uh, I had a, a neighbor down the street from me, and I have forgotten her name. And I used to deliver papers to her, cut her grass, and uh, uh, and then kind of be the first one to shovel the snow. And she was one of those amazing ladies that would always invite you in and kind of dust off the snow and uh, you know let you warm up a little bit. And I must have been 13 years old. And uh, you know she 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 said something. She said, you know, honey, if you keep working this hard, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're 35. Here's hmm. here's an immigrant kid that's just been in the country about a year, and I'm shoveling her snow. And here's a lady inspiring me. That's the kind of people I got surrounded by. And of course, 
you know, I kept, kept working hard and listened to what she said and, and was able to achieve it. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Brought to you by LifeLock. Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and it seems like a good idea to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft protection to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com. Use promo code Forbes for 10% off. How did you your family settle in, in Connecticut? Was it random? Were there relatives around? Was there a Pakistani community? Or was it just kind of a, one, a, a twist of fate? So my uncle uh, lived in Connecticut. He lived mm-hmm. in Milford, Connecticut. And he's the one uh, that we came to Connecticut for. And then uh, he owned a house in West Haven that he was selling. Uh, and he said, hey, won't you guys live in my house? Uh, and so that's how we ended up in West Haven. Uh, so uh, it was it was more family and family support. I see. And you uh, you worked. You're always working. Well, even when you're studying, obviously, and in high school. And then in high school, you went and bought a flower shop, correct? Yeah. So my father was always looking, and I I worked for a flower shop. I worked for a flower shop when I was uh, thirteen, fourteen. I would uh, go uh, water the plants and just help out. I mean, working meaning it was just a neighborhood shop and uh, Charlie Ferricelli uh, was the owner and he would mm-hmm. just let you stay busy. And, and these were the days that I, I liked working and I liked doing something. And I would work there on the weekends. I would help out uh, watering plants and helping people outside. And uh, from there, uh, my father saw an ad in the paper and, and it was, there was a flower shop for sale. It was actually wasn't the flower shop. It was actually out of business. And I think they were selling inventory or selling the equipment. And uh, it was $6,000. It was more, hey, flower shop, $6,000. I think we can afford this. What do you think? And it was a time where you never said no. You said, sure, let's do it. And I didn't know anything about the flower business. I was watering plants, uh, you know, so. And how did that, how, how did you learn the business? Is it, is, it, is it complex? Are there tricks to it? Or is it pretty straightforward customer service supply kind of thing? So I, I think, uh, you know, I got the inspiration back then in watching uh, Charlie and other people. But then um, I got into the flower business, borrowed uh, my my father's boss, uh, Bill Holtberg, and his wife, Denise, uh, gave us the $6,000. I mean, and you know, that's another magical thing. You know, here's a 17-year-old. At that time, it was about 17 when I bought that flower shop. Uh, you know, my father asked him that, hey, my son wants to start a flower shop. Uh, could we borrow 6000 And he said, sure. Um, and, you know, back then, People forget back then, you know, kind of an annual salary would have been about thirty to twenty-eight to thirty thousand yeah. dollars for machinists and everything. And so he gave me six thousand dollars to go buy a flower shop. I bought the flower shop, and the first thing I did was buy some books. Went and bought books on how do you make flower bouquets, uh, how do you, uh, uh, you know, how do you, uh, um, you know, what flowers you buy, what are the seasons, and then you end up just trying. Go to a wholesaler uh, who's selling flowers and. I just had this journey was amazing where people were always willing to help in like, okay, buy this. No, no, don't buy that. Take a little more of that and do it this way. And there were just a lot of people who helped in the beginning for me to learn. What is the, what is the the magic of a, of a flower shop? What's, what's the key to that business? Uh, Take care of your customer. I think it's, I used to have this, uh, uh, this one thing that, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had this one customer that would come in all the time and he would buy uh, for his fiance every week, he would buy some flowers and then he came back a while later. Uh, and, but every time he would come in, you would always add a little, ask him, you know, what's, what, what's the color, what's the occasion, and you take care of the customer, you know, kind of step out beh- from behind the counter and get into their occasion, get into their celebration. And, uh, uh, you know, so um, uh, then they returned. You know, he came back a while later and said, hey, I'm having a wedding. 
uh, we're getting married uh, and I would like you to do the flowers. And I was honest. I said, mm -hmm. I've never done that before. I have never done a wedding. I haven't even attended a wedding in, in the U.S. And, uh, and, he, and he was just an amazing guy. And he goes, oh, don't worry. I've never been married before either. It's my first too. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, so and, and that started out uh, into a whole new business. And I learned along the way. Um, and so I think, one, you have to try and, and uh, you should have confidence as long as you're willing to be focused on the customer and you take care of the customer, you're willing to put them before yourself, you will always do well. And I've shared this many times that my mother at that time used to say, honey, don't run after money. It runs really fast. Go do the right thing. It'll chase you. Uh, so it was always go do the right thing. Go tell the customer from the beginning that I haven't done it. Mostly people help you then to say, oh, no problem. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, We'll work with you. Uh, and along the journey, that's what I found when I was a teenager. Um, and then uh, once you do learn it and everything, always, again, put the customer first. And even in Edible, that's what our franchisees do. It's always customer first. And beyond you know, great customer service, I believe you made some interesting tech innovations too that you know, really helped you kind of get to the next level of business. Um, talk to me about that and how you kind of embraced early technology to the uh, old manual world of, of, of your business. Yeah, so um, back in the 80s, you know, we were kind of that generation that grew up with Commodore 64. You play around with computers. You weren't really afraid to play with computers. You weren't really, you know, you were, uh, you know, so I started to automate our flower shop back in 88. I think I got a, like an IBM computer and it was all floppy disks back then to just start doing billing. And then we put in a point of sale system. Out of that, uh, you know, in, in the 90s, I started a company that did uh, uh, POS systems for, for uh, uh, florist. Um, and so learned the technology. And then as, as I was starting Edible, you know, it, you had to have, by then, the web was taking off. You had, the yeah. e-commerce was taking off. So it was all that experience from the 80s and 90s, the last 12 years of experience, came in handy, not only for e-commerce and creating a website, but we created our own POS system. So we, I created an IT company that did the POS system and then also did the supply chain. So that helped us to build edible arrangements to what it is today because it is much more complicated, as you said a, a minute ago, that it, it businesses, it, it's not as simple as what it was when I started in 86 where you open a shop, you, you, know, you put some plants out and, and, and things out, and then you had an old register that you buy from, uh, I think it was uh, Costco or from an office supply place where it's much more complicated now. And, uh, but we were able to keep up with it because we had the experience and that helped us to deliver better and kind of give more access and kind of stay latest and greatest uh, in, in growing Edible and scaling Edible mm -hmm. from that one store in East Haven to the 1300 stores today. How did you learn to build this, these systems? I mean, obviously you, you weren't a uh, formal computer engineer uh, student. How did you turn your Commodore into a whole company? So the Commodore was more the confidence of being comfortable with computers. That's something I got when I was 12, 13 years old just to play with. It's more, um, you know, I, I think it's that need, right? So we, we, you know, you see the automation coming in. Uh, and then you go hire people. You go find people who can code it for you or who can make a software. And it was more... more we're trying to accomplish something that I want to automate billing. I would like the order process to get a little faster. I don't want to do manual credit card clearing. Uh, the, the, you know, we would love to map all the, we were, 
we would take yellow pages back in the 80s and type in every address into a computer to verify addresses. Hmm. Um, you know, so that when you're typing an address in East Haven, we had every address and a name uh, in the database where at least it would come up and, and we knew that it was a valid address. Jeez, so how, how long just, did that take? Oh, my God. You, you, uh, we used to hire students in the summer and they would just sit and it's, it, it didn't take long. You hire enough high school students. Uh, but the accuracy was sometimes an issue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it, it's it's just one. You know, it's that desire to want to uh, use the technology so you could focus more on the business and and delivering uh, the product and everything instead of having to worry about the nuances that you can actually automate. And so we we just started automating. And so the the technology company came not out of ability or. Uh, know how it came out of necessity that that you know I think having a computer here that does the credit card clearing or printing of the cards uh, would actually uh, help us to do more business uh, if we had a mapping software and it wasn't mapping if we had an address validation that was on a grid it'll be easier for us to get out there faster and do more deliveries uh, so it started out more out of necessity I have I actually don't know how to code huh. and how did the so did you have you hire people to do it for you. Or you thought yes. the okay? How did you go from flowers to technology platforms to to shaped fruit? <laughs> so I, I think uh, as business people, um, it doesn't really matter what you do, and I think uh, it, it really matters how you do it, and it's more the management of it. I was lucky enough to spend some time with Tom Peters, uh, and he shared a story about uh, uh, GE and and some of these companies that. There really is no synergy between light bulbs and nuclear plants, but mm-hmm. it's how you manage. Um, and you know, so it's just you get these exposure. You you hear these uh, mentors and everything who tell you that it's not necessarily what you do; it's how you do it. So any of the businesses that you're going to do, um, it, it the process is still the same. You know, there's a product you're making, you're delivering or servicing a customer. It, it, what's unique about you? And I think in that, um, any of the things that I've done, the focus has always been how do you deliver a great service or a great product at a value. Uh, and you know, th- as long as the basics are there, you do well. Um, and so I have never really had a challenge in running businesses. I love running businesses. I love building businesses. I've never really done anything uh, besides that. Um, and so I, I, maybe it comes naturally, but I think it's more practice. And we'll be right back after this quick break. The Equifax breach that impacted roughly 143 million consumers just got bigger. They've now added 2.5 million people to that list. If that's not bad enough, Yahoo announced that their 2013 breach impacted all 3 billion user accounts, triple the original estimate. You should know, once your personal information has been exposed, it doesn't just go away. Identity thieves can buy your info on the dark web for months, even years after a breach. They can use it to commit crimes in your name, even steal from your 401k. Now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code Forbes, that's Forbes, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com and save 10% now. 
Hi, I'm Allie Hilfiger. And I'm Steve Hash. And we're the hosts of Sit In on Podcast One. Join us as we travel around the world visiting creative people in their homes, studios, and the places they work to discuss their story, process, and basically everything in between. We're sitting down with the biggest names in the world of fashion, art, and music like Tommy Hilfiger, Gigi Hadid, Brian Adams, Martin Lawrence Ballard, and Zana Roberts. Check out new episodes of Sit In every week exclusively on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. Where'd the idea come from for the edible arrangements? So it was, you know, the, the fruit bouquets or fruit arrangements were being done before. Uh, we just took it where we were in the flower business. And when I saw that this fruit arrangement parts being done, what we did was to kind of uh, try to turn it into that retail experience and, and take a layer of the things we had learned in uh, uh, flowers. And how do you... Um, take the flower experience to a whole new level where you turn it into food, where it's something shareable. Uh, and it's more the, the process and the automation on making them and, and a lot of those, uh, not only the technology, but the equipment that cuts and, and makes the product. Hmm. And then uh, the, the design, we, you know, we, we, we spent about a year just coming up with first nine designs. And then you know, it took us another seven to come up with the next 10. Uh, you know, it's a lot of it was just what occasions it could be used for, how would we use it. So it's more the retail part is what we did. And then at the same time, the e-commerce was just taking off, and we were kind of the first to be doing e-commerce uh, when it comes to the, the, the fruit, flower type of a, a concept. How much is it, how, the actual construction these days, the cutting and the placement, how much of that is done um, automatic, uh, autonomously, and how much is it still uh, hand labor? So we have some equipment, but of course, dipping of each chocolate, uh, each strawberry, each piece of chocolate is done uh, individually um, because of the cho- type of chocolate we use uh-huh. and what we're trying to accomplish. And and also, we, we make everything fresh in real time. So as orders come in, we will make the orders and then get them delivered. We want to, people to get that real experience. That experience is what makes people come back. And, and, you know, that taste consistency um, and, uh, and, and it's fruit. So you have to make it pretty close to the time of it being delivered. So a lot of hand uh, uh, crafting happens. And, and we've made some equipment that helps us cut the pieces and cut the, uh, the fruit and everything. But majority of the, uh, the labor still happens by hand. What's your most popular uh, reason for, uh, uh, for a gift? What's like the most popular uh, okay. arrangement or occasion, I guess? So uh, the number one holiday for us is Valentine's Day and then kind of uh, neck and neck with Mother's Day. And then other than that, it would be uh, birthdays and uh, uh, anniversaries uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, occasions such as uh, even uh, condolences and everything uh, where people were sent for. But uh, right now, what we're having a, an amazing uh, lift on and it, 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 uh, it totally makes sense um, is the business gifting. So we are in our fourth quarter 
And in this quarter, majority of the businesses are sending other businesses uh, and, and uh, businesses are sending uh, vendors and others thank yous. So our product actually does really well because it's very shareable. It can be enjoyed by the whole office. Uh, it's food, but it looks really great when it comes in. So uh, this will be a big business gifting uh, month, the next two months for us. At Forbes, we like um, alcohol arrangements. <laughs> yeah, well, you could buy edible and then get some alcohol and I guess dip them there as, we go. as you go. You know, we make so. a, like a sangria or something. <laughs> there you go. You mentioned Valentine's Day. Like, Is that like a huge percentage of your sales? Is something like you know double digits of your business come in that one week? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty big. It all depends on the year. Um, if it's uh, on a weekday as it will be coming up, it's a pretty big holiday. Uh, but, you know, of course, there's always capacity issues of how much we can do because we handcraft everything. We make it fresh. We're limited to how, how much we can scale up. But we'll, you know, it will uh, sometimes account for double digits. Uh, Mother's Day is right behind that. Um, and, and other than that, you just, you know, we have a pretty good uh, a spread of business all throughout the year. The summers are really good because we're now doing the smoothies where uh, with the smoothies and the dipped fruit and the froyo. Uh, so it, it, we, we're into the season. So every season, as the as the seasons change, our offerings change. And and of course, in the winter, there are a lot of holidays with Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Valentine's Day, Easter, and Mother's Day. And then the summer months are more our edible to go products. I'm sure the uh, the smoothies are a great way to get uh, to get rid of the misshaped fruit or the kind of the scraps. I imagine. Uh, well, you know, there there really is no misshaped fruit with us because we think all fruit is amazing, and 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 the kind of quality we have. The one thing that we we've always had is that in order to give that appearance and also the quality, as as you said earlier, Steve, the the every strawberry has to be perfect. So we're buying premium fruit. We pay a lot for fruit that we bring in because the appearance and the consistency has to be. Pretty close to perfect. Oh yeah, I meant like uh, and, you know you're, you're cutting shapes. I feel I've, so, I, I exactly, picture it like so. I picture it as like you know making Christmas cookies or whatever. There's always like a little like extra that doesn't. That's right. That's right. That's, that's so goes so what used to happen? What used to happen was that in our stores, people would uh, as we cut the pineapple. Sometimes the sweetest part of the pineapple is the outside part. So you cut the flower and there's a pineapple left. Our stores, uh, the employees would actually, you know, blend and make smoothies. Yeah. And that's where the concept came from. And then customers started coming in, can I get a fruit salad? So you're getting some great fruit that's like premium fruit and you're getting a fruit salad. So it's, uh, you know, and, and that business has really taken off. And uh, so we use up every part of the fruit. There really is no waste that would happen. And, and even when we used to have some extra fruit, we used to send it to soup kitchens. And, uh, and, and you know, and, and our, our franchisees continue to do that. So we want to use up all of that premium fruit. And then we can give uh, customers an amazing experience of an all-natural real smoothie of mm -hmm. real fruit in it. You know, and, and we don't use any uh, additives or any kind of process. You know, it's not made and, and it's not in a slush that we put into a cup. It's blended. You see the fruit going into a blender. It's blended right in front of you and you can pick the different fruits. And you mentioned that's. I, mean, that's, I love the idea how you know you took an idea that the your uh, employees and team members were just doing on their own and turned that into a product. I love those kind of yeah. stories. You mentioned that you started this with floppy disks and you know the old databases, and that now here we are in a world with smartphones and e-commerce and a ton of uh, social media, which I'm sure plays really into your strengths. How does that um, affect your business these days? There's that uh, the benefit, and then also. 
the cost. So it, business is much more complicated. I mean, even small business owners have to contend with a lot. It's gotten very expensive because with not only with the social media and all these avenues of, of uh, or the mediums that where you have to advertise, you have to have some expertise. And then you have to have time or you have to pay people to do it. So we're lucky that we have all these owners who... Uh, who are able to communicate out quickly. We have a great team that uh, handles the social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, without this, you know, the, this great team and all these people, I, I don't know how I would, you know, I used to handle most of the technology myself, but there's so much that goes on. There's so many things that happen now between uh, search engine optimization to, uh, uh, to uh, you know, quick ad buys or digital ads or and then the TV campaign and, and a lot of the other stuff. It's exciting. There's a lot going on. But then at the same time, we have uh, this next generation of amazing people that kind of know this technology that handle it every day for us. Is TV still a big draw for you? Or are you kind of taking some of that old TV money and putting it into these new avenues? So the way we spend has changed considerably. Uh, you know, I think, I think it is moving more towards that digital uh, but almost, you know, everything is digital now. So, you know, all media is digital. Even the TVs being consumed by people on devices. So that pivot has happened. It's been happening. So we we will always do a slow journey because we are all about storefronts. We are all about that uh, that experience of a store that's nearest to you. Uh, and our our digital or our web presence is always connected to a store. There's a store that people know, and they'll search edible arrangements because they drive by it. And then half of those people are going to the web to place an order, but they're always connected back to that store. We always tell them which store will be servicing so they know it's coming from their neighborhood because we want them to know it's fresh and it's going to be handmade and hand-delivered. Uh, so with that... Um, of course, the, the how we advertise has changed. A lot of that advertising has moved locally between social and some of the digital uh, local presence. But there's a little bit of a revival going on on kind of catalogs. And, and you know, especially during this time, people are looking at those catalogs. So I think that we just sent out catalogs on, uh, on B2B. We sent out uh, hundreds of thousands of catalogs. Each store will send out catalogs to their two miles around their store. And, you know, so those old things that we used to do in the 80s is still working. I know. Everyone's – this is great. You're going full circle. Everyone's scrambling to go online and you're building storefronts and uh, selling on mailers. And people are coming in and, and, you know, enjoying the experience. We're seeing – we have a whole strategy that we've had for a while called Store First uh, because once a customer comes into our store, they can experience our so much more than what they can do online. We'll always have an online presence and – I've always considered online to be a convenience for the person to place an order, but everything happens at the store. And our product is about freshness, and you can only do that when you're within a few miles of the person who's going to be receiving it. So product-wise, I mean, besides this, this store push, what are, in the next couple of years, what are you guys looking to develop? Is it just growth and, you know, the product's great, don't, don't need to change it? Or are there other, other things, whether they're other designs or other... Um, you know, categories you're looking to push out. Yeah, so I, 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 um, I think what uh, the 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 pivot or whatever you want to call it, I think things are changing. And what I've enjoyed is just seeing the change from 1986 to now. Oh, how when everybody thought that the world was moving telephone. So 800 numbers in the flower business was big back in the 80s, and everybody thought the the flower shops were going to die, and the flower shops are that no one's going to buy flowers by going into shops. 
we all, we did well back in the 90s, even in our flower shops and, and in our business. I was installing systems in tons of flower shops all over the country that were buying POS systems, and they, they were doing well because now customers could connect with them. Now it, it's nice that customers can connect directly with that business that's in in their neighborhood, so they can look up a shop or they can uh, they, on Google or on Bing or on on these search engines go directly to a business and contact them, be it through their website or through some kind of an online shopping experience. Um, so the the whole uh, the you know the part about uh, um, it becoming one or the other, I think you see a shift even in Amazon that they're going towards retail. Uh, and I'm, I always remind people that online is still, I think, 9% of, uh, you know, commerce happens online. A lot of it is still in the stores. Certain things, it totally makes sense. But on others, especially when it's a smoothie or if it's a fruit treat or if it's a, a, a dipped fruit. So there will be a big uh, change in our system where people want real experience and real stuff. And we got some real fruit and some mm-hmm. great chocolate. So there'll be a lot of that happening in our stores, be it. Uh, we bring it to you, or as you come into our store, we're dipping it in front of you. We're making the arrangement. So you know this whole concept of order or you know order yesterday and get delivered today. Uh, that's all disappearing to now. You can walk in and we'll make it for you, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of walk out with it. And you kind of you get that custom kind of get something made for some loved one and walk out with it um, on your way to their house or on your way to that party. That's interesting because I, I've been watching football late recently, and they have all these. I think it's Domino's, uh, big commercial. I always think of Domino's. I'm sure you do too. Of like you know, delivery pizza, and now they're pushing everything for walk-in and takeout, which is well, I'm in Manhattan. It's it's, it's new. That's a new concept to me. But it sounds like there's a big push of you know away from delivery and just people grabbing stuff on the way out. Yeah, I, I think delivery will always be there, and and we will continue yeah. to do a lot of delivery, but you know. People, um, people are out more. You know, uh, my daughter, uh, as they're coming into the business, they like going out, and it, it's interesting. Where I think my generation, we wanted to get everything delivered. Where they'll go and say, "Oh, I'll pick that up on the way." I mean, she'll be coming to the house. She's like, "I'll grab that." And so there's a little change happening, and I think they like going out. Um, we don't know where this will go, but I think with that. Uh, retailers have to get their stores ready. They have to adjust to the demand. They want to be able to place the order with a single click on their way to the store, and they want to walk in, grab it, and be out. Or is it like what Domino's is doing, that it, the, the van has an oven in it, mm-hmm. and it's, it's driving around, and you literally, in five minutes, the pizza just pulls up. Uh, you know, so I think uh, we're, we're adjusting our, our brand to be more in, in tune with what the customer's needs are and how they want the experience to be. And I think uh, there's some exciting things happening at Edible in the next 12 months. Would you ever go beyond fruit? Are you going to have like a, a kale tower for, for people in Brooklyn? <laughs> like what's, what's, the, what's the plan there? I, I think um, you know, we were lucky enough to be in this a gifting healthy trend where people wanted to send a healthy option and there is a bit of an indulgence when it comes to chocolate. Um, I have always um, um, enjoyed this part of serving my customers what I would serve myself, my family. So with that, I think there's a a, a great opportunity within fruit, be it a a, a fresh fruits blended smoothie to a a dip fruit treat or a dip fruit box or as a gift. So there's a long way to go within the fruit experience. And and we want to do a few things, but do it really good. Mm -hmm. So with that, 
I will uh, stay in the fruit that holds some type of an environment. Uh, and we've done well in it, and I think there's a long way to go. You yourself, do you eat a, a huge amount of fruit, or are you like so sick of strawberries you can't even see another melon in your life kind of thing? So the last thing I have to eat every night after dinner is some kind of fruit. And uh, uh, my wife's done an amazing job. That my kids, you know, they're big into fruit. My parents had done a big, uh, you know, had done a, our family gathering at the end of the night would be everybody sitting and talking and, and dessert was fruit. So maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but uh, I, I eat a lot of fruit and enjoy <laughs> eating fruit. It's good. You're living the brand. Well, this is a That's great talk. Um, Tarek Farid, the founder of Edible Arrangements, great American story, great serial entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. It's a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Hey there, I'm Victoria Shade, and I'm the host of PetMD's Life with Pets. Now, this is a fun, all-about-dogs-and-cats kind of show where I get to interview subject matter experts, answer some listener questions, and help you become a better pet parent along the way. Now, we've had some really amazing guests on the show, including My Two Cents host Bill Engvall, who told me all about his amazing dog Jake, and Adam Carolla, who gave me a crash course in all things Phil. You can listen to PetMD's Life with Pets exclusively on Podcast One, the new Podcast One app, or Apple Podcasts. And guys, it would be a huge help if you could rate and review the show so other people can join the pack. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is... Tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.